Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 87 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Today's episode is a gift especially for my entrepreneurs and those hoping to become one. Today, we're digging into some of the common challenges that come up for entrepreneurs that can impact our mental health. The sense of uncertainty and insecurity that comes up once you start your entrepreneurial journey is something that I think folks aren't absolutely prepared for. But before we jump into the episode, I want to share that I've just released my first book, Questions That Need Answers After the Breakup. It's a guided journal designed to help anyone who's struggling to make sense of their life and figure out what to do next after a big breakup. It takes you through the process of managing your emotions in the immediate aftermath after the breakup, all the way to getting back out there to date again. If this is something you can use, or if you know someone else who can, head on over to therapyforblackgirls.com shop to download your copy. Now let's get back to the episode. For this conversation, I was joined by Samara Stone, LCSWC. Since 2005, Samara has been the founder of the Stone Foundation, a behavioral health firm in Maryland. As an innovative leader in the field of mental health, she leverages her 20 years of experience to develop business coaching and branding solutions specifically for her unique niche of mental health entrepreneurs through her work with Be Brand Confident. Samara is the perfect balance of compassion and accountability, offering insightful strategy while nurturing the emotional resilience needed to approach entrepreneurship with the confidence to take inspired action. Samara and I chatted about some of the mental health challenges that are common for entrepreneurs, the importance of a healthy support system, and how to get in touch with your real why for wanting to start a business. If you hear something while listening that really resonates with you, be sure to share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Samara. I am so glad to be here, Dr. Joy. I am too. You know, we have been talking, we are in a variety of Facebook groups and such together and on this entrepreneurship journey together. And your conversation, I think, is always, you always add such depth, I think, and reflection to conversation. So I'm happy to have you here because I know that a lot of people in the audience are entrepreneurs or they're thinking about starting a business. But like we talked about, sometimes you don't always think about all of the mental health stuff that can come up when you're trying to start a business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, having been in business for almost 14 years, I have seen all sides of this thing. (laughs) I bet you have. So Mm -hmm. can you start by telling us maybe some of the common mental health challenges that often surprise entrepreneurs, like things that they just weren't even expecting that kind of hits them? 
Yeah, yeah. I think really the sense of uncertainty and insecurity that comes up once you start your entrepreneurial journey is something that I think folks aren't absolutely prepared for, right? Um, Once you enter the world of entrepreneurship and you start to create a business for yourself, there are so many decisions that you're going to need to make, not only about how you're going to create your business and what you're going to do, but how to properly fund the business or where to go to market it or how you want to show up. And so all of these things kind of cause you to look at yourself from a real kind of transparent and vulnerable space. And I think if we're not ready for that, that part can be very, very surprising. I think also the sense of anxiety that comes up for folks around this, perfectionism and expectation, you know, really feeling like these ideas that you have for what you want to do in your business, that these things should be manifesting in 90 days. I should have the perfect business that I want to create for myself. And I think that starts to give people a lot of pressure. And I see people struggling through with feeling good enough and wondering whether they have what it takes to be in business when actually this is kind of a natural process of developing and growing. And I think that piece is surprising to them. So where do you think some of that comes from, Samara? Like, how do you think entrepreneurship itself unnerves some of that in us? You know, it's a few things that I think about. This is an interesting question for me because I think a part of the problem, when we see what it looks like to be in business, it's through the filter of people that are marketing their business. And so they're showing you their absolute best self. They're giving you this view of the way that they roll and the way that their business is structured and the way that they set things up so that they can kind of attract people to their businesses. But it creates like this artificial perspective of what it actually looks like to be in business for themselves. It kind of glamorizes this entrepreneur lifestyle. And so when folks are thinking about, well, I want financial freedom and I want to be in command of my time and I want to be able to make my own choices and not feel like I have have to be beholden to someone else. The lure of that type of freedom, it draws people in, but there's this other side of it that I think that is not well discussed. And so I think the comparison that people have of seeing what folks that are in business for themselves put out there and then what the real experience of it is different. I also think too that when you're working for someone, you can show up in your unique role, whatever that role is, and comfortably own that space. You've got the expertise, you've got the experience, the credentials, whatever, the personality to be able to fill the capacity that you have in the workplace. But suddenly, once you become an entrepreneur, you have to be adept at wearing all those hats. And so you start to see maybe the places where you're not as strong. Maybe there's a lot of accounting stuff that you don't understand, or maybe marketing things you don't understand. And so we are not only being made present to these areas where we might have some deficits, but we're also kind of responsible for making those things happen. And it can put a lot of pressure on folks. It really can. Yeah, that's a key word. I think you touched on there, the idea of responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not just, okay, I need to be to work on time and fill out my reports on time and all that stuff. Now you're responsible for everything. Every single thing, even the things that you don't think of as being a part of business, are now a part of your responsibility, right? Right. right. And so we, we come to entrepreneurship because we want to maybe do the work. Like there's this book called E-Myth where the woman talks about how great she was at making pies. She loved making pies. The pie making part was great. 
Well, once she got into the fullness of being in business as a pie maker, it was like, oh, wait, I got to work about marketing demands and I got to figure out how many pies to create to keep this audience satisfied. And right, all of the other moving parts that are not the thing we signed up for, but we don't get to do the thing we love unless we manage the thing that we're responsible for. Right. Mm-hmm. That piece, I think, creates it creates a real challenge for people as they're moving in. And I feel like for entrepreneurs, too, it takes a lot of discipline to do the things that you don't want to do. Right. But because you've got to be able to do them. There's no supervisor standing over you requiring you to do them. But your business will suffer just like a baby would suffer if you don't take care of it. Your business will suffer if you're not taking care of these elements. And so it, it can be a lot of pressure to do things you don't like doing. And you're like, wait a minute, I signed up for freedom and flexibility. What you mean I got <laughs> do some stuff I don't like doing? <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you touched on this a little bit, but I think that this is not something that I often hear discussed when we're talking about entrepreneurship, this whole idea of decision fatigue um, because of all the decisions we have to make. Can you talk more about that and like some strategies for managing some of it? Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So Dr. Joy, the first thing to understand is that some of the decisions you just have to make in order to be in business for yourself. And because we're ill-equipped, we don't understand the lay of the land. How do you decide from options when you don't understand the implications of the stuff you're trying to consider? You don't even know enough to make a wise choice. So then you're in this rabbit hole of trying to find information to inform your decisions. And uh, that's a whole nother kind of thing that starts to occur. I think the other piece around decision fatigue is being able to commit to a consistent course of action. So you might have an idea of something that you want to do. And as you get started on trying to implement that idea, you find yourself getting pieces of information from all of these sources. And it kind of spins your head, you know, thinking of all these different ways to approach it. You can Google something like how to grow a Facebook community and get hundreds of different perspectives, trying to sort through all of that and figure out, well, what's the right fit for me? What actions do I need to take to really get some results is difficult. And this is one of the reasons I'm so passionate about branding and doing the personal development side when it comes to being in business for yourself. Once you know what you're good at, what you want to offer, and who those ideal clients are that you're trying to connect with and serve, it can kind of create a compass, if you will, as you're navigating the choices that are before you as an entrepreneur. You can make choices that are consistent with your brand. And knowing the brand then allows those choices to more naturally unfold. You can even make choices about the kinds of opportunities to pursue. Instead of trying to do everything all the time, you're going to choose those things that help you to move the needle in your business in a significant and meaningful way. And so it kind of having clarity around your brand and knowing exactly what your vision is and what you're trying to do can help lessen some of the decision fatigue. Mm, That's a good one, Samara, because I was going to ask you, and maybe you even have more to add. I think when we talk about like really getting in touch with your why and like what is my brand and what do I want to stand for, I think people sometimes have trouble actually doing that, which means that they can't get to the piece where decisions are easier because they're still trying to figure out the why. Do you have any ideas about or, you know, activities that you would suggest for how people can really get in touch with the why? Yes. Yes. Thank you. I mean, the first thing that I'm thinking about when you're asking that question is how important it is that you don't feel like this is something you need to do alone. Right. Mm. I don't think 
that the choices that we make in business or the clarity we're looking for in business comes from sitting alone in the corner thinking about thinking about your life. <laughs> you have to kind of be involved with some other folks who can help you to see yourself from a different perspective. Oftentimes, the things that we think we're good at are invisible to us because they are natural talents. They are natural skills. So we're not valuing them as much as we should, but others outside of ourselves can absolutely see it because they are able to kind of see that this is something that we're uniquely gifted to be able to do. So I think getting feedback from the world around you is a great way for you to start thinking about what you're great at and what you can offer. I think being honest about why you're wanting to be in business is something that people need space to kind of work through. Sometimes we want to be in business because it just seems like what everybody is doing. And so I need to have a business too. Or maybe you're in business because you just want to make some extra money and you're looking for ways to do that. Having clarity about why you're even wanting to open the doors of a business can help you to kind of get clear on what you're trying to accomplish too. And sometimes I think we have a mistake of pursuing entrepreneurship without really thinking about, do I want to commit to this as a lifestyle? Like you can be someone who maybe has an entrepreneurial spirit and maybe you are a micropreneur. You got a little side hustle where you're selling a product or you're making shirts or you're doing something in addition to your full-time gig. Or maybe you're like an entrepreneur where you're working with people that are, you know, you're like a consultant of sorts working in a space where you're not a full-time employee or anything, but you're able to kind of bring your unique talents to the process. So I think sometimes we are confused about why we want to be in business and feeling like, well, if I'm interested interested in business at all, that must mean I want to quit my full-time job, instantly become an entrepreneur and be on my way to being a CEO. And that's not always the truth. You know, like getting clear about what you're trying to accomplish, that's an important piece too. Ah, got you, got you. So I think it may be important, Samara, to kind of make the distinction between what you just said in terms of like, oh, do I really need to be like a full-time entrepreneur and is that some imposter syndrome stuff coming up? Because I think sometimes that may look similar, right? Like you can't quite tell, am I talking myself out of becoming a full-time entrepreneur because I don't really believe I can do it? Or do I really not want that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it is getting clear about what being a full-time entrepreneur entails, right? Like, um, because I think when we're trying to build businesses for ourselves, there are a lot of needs that you're going to have, both financially, in terms of time, skill sets, all of these things that you're going to need in order to make this thing go. And it could very well be that a part of you feels like, I can't do it, and you've never tried. Or maybe you have done it, and you're like, no, I actually don't like this, <laughs> right? I think having some clarity about that is super important. I also think when it comes to the imposter syndrome piece, it is hard for us to see ourselves as excellent sometimes. You know, whenever I ask someone, you know, what are you great at? They hesitate on that question. But if I ask them what they're struggling with, they can give me a 10-minute tirade on, <laughs> on right? And so I think really, you're right, being able to identify what your strengths are and make your decision from that place can help you to see, is this feeling like an imposter and shying away? Or is it really that this just isn't a good fit for the way I want to work? So you mentioned something else, Amara, that I want to spend some time on, the whole idea of like not being in a corner by yourself trying to figure all of this out. And I know something that you preach a lot on your platform is the whole idea of community and making sure that you're working with other people to really kind of do this thing in a right and healthy way. Can you mm -hmm. talk more about like what support should look like for an entrepreneur? I 
love this question because I am convinced that a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And I know for certain that the supports we need are both in our home and personal life, especially as Black women, and also in business. So let's start with home, right? I think that if you have children, if you're married, if you just have a life (laughs) that requires you to be responsible for something, making sure that you have people in your corner that believe in what you're doing and can help you as you're navigating some of these other responsibilities that you have is going to be key to your success in the entrepreneurial journey. Like I always say that if it weren't for my mama, who helps me with these three babies I have, it would be absolutely impossible for me to, you know, do what I'm doing in business. And so getting clear about what those supports need to look like for you in order for you to thrive is very important. And I also think normalizing the challenges that we see in business, because sometimes people feel like needing support makes them weak. Oh, I should be able to do this on my own, solo dolo. I should just be able to thug life, make this happen. And that's just not even true at all. I mean, we absolutely need one another if we're going to be able to move through some of the challenges that we face. And so not only do you need help at home and strategies to allow you to work, you also need supports in business because you got to be around other entrepreneurs who understand what this feels like. You want to learn from people who've already done what you're trying to do so you're not over here reinventing the wheel. I really think that piece around support, both in your personal and your business life, it's what makes people seem like they are rocking it out faster and going further quicker because they're leveraging supports to help them accomplish this. And it seems like it's just the one person that's out on the top of the platform. But just like you know, Dr. Joy, there are tons of people that are helping with some of the moving parts for you to build what you're building. And so I think folks need to kind of understand that these supports don't make you weak, they make you strong. Absolutely. Yeah. And definitely, you know, none of us can be doing this by ourselves. I mean, you could be, but it would likely not be as successful as it could be, or you're going to burn yourself out, I think, really quickly trying to do it all yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to foster those relationships that are supportive because there is such a sense of comparison and competition that people are going through. And so one of the things I'm really big on is kind of neutralizing some of that and focusing on our shared experiences and how we can support each other. Because the truth is that competition, it doesn't help us. We don't have to compete with one another. What we can do is kind of be clear about what makes us unique and different so that there's some contrast, not competition, not comparison, just a little bit of contrast. And then you can find your own space in the market. And so I think that's a part of why sometimes I see entrepreneurs not supporting one another as much as they could because they're kind of fearful. This feeling like if I support this person's business, maybe I'm somehow taken away from the traction I'm trying to create in mine. And that stuff's just not true. That stuff's just not true. Because I think you're right. And I have seen lots of conversations around that. How do you think people can kind of begin to break down some of that narrative that they've built around, you know, people being your competitors and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I really believe in being beautiful in business, bringing your values like who you are as a person to the table in the way you conduct yourself in building a business. That's the whole point of building something for yourself, that you get to do it in a way that's in alignment with who you are, right? And so, I mean, for some people, if you actually are a super competitive person and that's just who you are, then you need to just go ahead and run that, right? (laughs) But, you know, if you're someone who maybe is more focused on 
you know, doing something quality. I know for me, I'm all about creating meaningful brands and building businesses that are on purpose where people are doing something that they're really proud of and they feel good about. And so if you're able to really focus on that and then celebrate the accomplishments of a sister that you see doing something awesome, it kind of creates that spirit of goodwill that we're wanting to generate in a community. I mean, there are so many Black women that are going into business for themselves. I mean, we are rocking it out. This space that we're in now where we're able to be, we're able to see possibility. We are confident in the skills that we're bringing into the marketplace. And we have so many examples of women that are just bossing it out in business. It's inspiring us to go for it. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. And one of the ways that we support each other in being able to make that happen is to celebrate and to collaborate with people who are doing things that are similar. Like, I think, for me, I call them niche mates, people that are my niche mates, where they're doing things that are similar to what I, and at the same time, make enough contrast so they can see how they would be able to support the work that I'm doing. And it works beautifully. Got you, got you. So something else I want to kind of go back to a little bit, um, because I do think it's often like you just talked about how many black women are going into business for themselves. But we also know that black women wear many hats. We are often involved in lots of things. We're in different roles. How can you begin to, you know, do a better job, probably for a lot of us, of managing all of those different roles? You've already talked about support. But are there other things you think that we should be taking into consideration to really help ourselves to manage? I'm going to tell you, my business really started to grow when I learned how to say no to the things that weren't really important to me. So often we allow others to set our priorities, to set the agenda for how we're going to spend our time and use our energy and pour out our creativity. Learning how to say no opens the door for you to say yes to the stuff you really want right? Now, some of those things we can't control. If you got babies, you got to take care of them babies. If you got a house, you got to clean it up. You got to do some things you got to do. You can't get some of these basics, you know, you, you can't say no to that. But <laughs> these other commitments that we're making that are above and beyond and aren't even really what we're interested in doing, we just don't know how to say no to, kill the frivolous. Get that stuff out the way so that you can do the things that you really want to do. I also think setting realistic goals for yourself is important. You know, remember earlier when we're like, people feel like, oh, I'm going to hang my shingle and in 90 days, I'm going to be making a million bucks, right? Like, dude, let's set some realistic expectations about what this is going to look like so that you can fit this into your life. You know, I think that it doesn't have to happen overnight, but as you continue to make small steps towards what you're trying to create, what you want to build for yourself, you can create some momentum. And so I think creating a business plan plan that fits your life plan and then being creative about how you're going to solve those things that need to adjust so that you can make it happen. That's a better approach. You know, realistic goals, being clear about what you actually want to do and saying no to the stuff that you don't. So how do you balance that? Because you've already said, you know, that sometimes other people can see like our gifts in us in ways that we can't. So how do you balance this idea of people saying like, oh, you should do this. You're great at this with mm-hmm. the idea of, okay, but that's not the business that I want to build. Right. Um, now, that's a good question. I mean, because I would be curious about what is the common thread between what people see me as excellent with and what I'm interested in. 
because there is usually some sort of a commonality that's found in the midst of that because you do want to create a business around things that are your natural strengths and talents. Like there's this thing called the Gallup Strength Finder that I've used from time to time with some of my coaching clients to help them get clear on what their strengths are because you want to build the business in a way that's going to resonate with like how you best work. And so sometimes when people are telling you what you're great at, Listen for what it is in there that feels resonant with what you're wanting to do. And that's kind of the sweet spot where your personal and your professional is going to meet. The place where your interest and then what folks want from you, that's kind of the, the best way to go forward. Also, making sure that it's something that people are willing to pay you for. Like you might like crocheting hats, let's say right? But crocheting hats, you know, the amount of money that you would be able to make for the time spent crocheting hats is not going to give you the profit margin you're going to need to be in a sustainable business. It's a nice hobby, but it may not actually convert into the type of dollars that you need to see. And so I think, you know, making sure that what you're interested in and then what's actually going to be able to be a viable business option for you, there's something to be said for those two being in balance also. So Samara, something else that I have been thinking about just kind of thinking about like some of the mental health issues that impact entrepreneurs. And I think I see it a lot, you know, just again, like in observing Facebook groups or just paying attention online, you can really tell that some business owners are struggling with things that are likely coming out in their businesses, maybe in the way of like customer service or, you know, in other ways that they may not recognize. Do you have any suggestions for that? Or can you speak to, you know, why it may be important for us as business owners to really be paying attention to, like maybe we do need to talk with the therapist about some things? There are so many highs and lows that come at you as you're moving through business. I mean, the range of emotions that you're going to experience from being excited to then being disappointed to then being anxious to the financial inconsistencies, like all of this range of feelings that you're going to move through. I have seen people really develop a sort of depression and anxiety as a result of their experience in the entrepreneurial life. And I feel like that there's a need to create resilience for us so that we can manage this, this emotional space of entrepreneurship with excellence. And some of it is just being aware that this is going to happen for everyone. I can't emphasize that point enough. You know, like part of being in business is failing, messing up, making mistakes, getting it wrong. And so if we have those experiences and we then become so anxious about not getting it wrong the next time that we're afraid to try, can you see how that just, you know, sucks the life out of your business? And so you really want to know that this is a part of the journey. These emotional highs and lows, that is part and parcel of what this is going to look like. And then I think to address it is being able to talk honestly with at least one person. At least one person that you can say, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm experiencing. And I think that's where therapists can be very helpful because even if the therapist is not herself an entrepreneur, they can recognize the emotional arc that you're going through with this entrepreneurial trauma, right? Because every time something happens in your business, it can be a sort of traumatization. If you had a certain expectation or the way you wanted things to go and then it doesn't, helping you to process that disappointment in a healthy way and then be resilient enough to try again, that's a role that both good friends and therapists can play. I love that. I love that. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what else, too? I think that I have always been someone that journals, like from the very beginning when I launched my business. And I was five months pregnant when I opened my business. It was kind of crazy how all that started happening. <laughs> but I remember feeling so out of sorts, like I, there was so much I didn't know. And there were so many things I was trying to figure out quickly to get this thing going. And I started journaling, like I would write about my feelings. And then over the years, as I would go back, I can recognize the patterns in the emotional experience. So although the situation might change, the emotional experience of growing a business remains the same. So making your first thousand dollars in business to getting to making a million in business, it's going to take you on a, a similar emotional arc. Although the game gets more complex, it's still the same game. So you can learn how to be resilient by using some of the same strategies that work, you know, to help you manage your emotions when it was small. Keep using those same strategies to manage your emotions as it gets bigger. Got it. And something else you mentioned, again, kind of going back to Facebook, like you've made a post a couple of weeks ago about the fact that a lot of us are experiencing stress related to starting our businesses because there's no real blueprint for the kinds of businesses we're building, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I think there's a blueprint for like if you want to have a fast food franchise or if you want to do certain things, you know, but even for myself, like building a business around like a podcast and a directory and all of these things, like it does feel very much like, okay, who can help me to figure out what I'm doing here, (laughs) right? Because trailblazers don't have templates. Trailblazers do not have templates. When you're doing something unique, you really do have to follow your intuition and trust your path because it may not look like the path that others have laid. You know, one of the things I remember hearing from Oprah years ago, she was talking about how initially she felt herself to be in competition with the Donahue show, right? Now, this is, I'm really dating myself back in the 80s. <laughs> but, you know, she really felt herself to be in competition. And she said it wasn't until she stopped focusing on him and just started paying attention to running her own race that she started to find the kind of success that she was hoping to accomplish. And so I really think that um, as a business owner, you have the beautiful responsibility of creating something that is unique and specific to who you are and what you want to do. And it is disconcerting at times because you don't have the certainty to know that every choice you're making is the right one. But what you can trust is that if you continue to move forward in a way that's in alignment with your values, in a way that's in alignment with the vision that you have for what you're wanting to do, that you're going to keep getting closer and closer and closer to this vision for the business that you are building. And I think, you know, treating your business, you know, love her. Love that business because she's growing right alongside you. She's maturing you as she's maturing. And so I oftentimes have a relationship with my business where I try to respect the things that she's capable of. You know, like as she got stronger and stronger, you know, the first business I had was a private practice. And once that became a group practice and we started getting contracts, like I could see that the business itself was getting stronger. And so every time I'm growing to another level, I just really am clear about being grateful for what's been created already and letting that serve as the jump off spot for the next level that we're trying to move towards. That's so wonderful, Samara. Thank you. And I I so love the way that you talk about business because I think sometimes, you know, when we're looking for like business coaches to help us and, you know, it it often feels very aggressive to me, you know, like there are these things that you got to do and stop doing this. (laughs) 
that like I feel like you have given us like a very different framework for how you can actually grow for yourself and grow your business in a way that really fits for you be beautiful in business be beautiful in business and I believe that even when it comes to things like customer service and support you know sometimes people have an antagonistic relationship with their clients like yeah, these clients always calling me these are your clients like love them <laughs> you, know, like, you know I understand it's frustrating but build some systems in your customer service so that you know you're not overwhelmed with the continual you know issues that people are having but I think that when we don't approach business in a way that resonates with our values then we're getting into problem spots. And you're right, trying to find a business coach or someone to help you grow your business when y'all are not a values match, that's just not a good idea because they're going to help you build something that's not in alignment with who you are. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love seeing Black women in particular create businesses for themselves. Our daughters are watching us. They're watching us and thinking possibility. I know my baby girl does. Our sons see us and respect what it is that we're doing. I love seeing women occupy their unique space in the world and create businesses that are just as unique and creative and as beautiful as black women are. And and the things that we're able to do when we trust ourselves enough to try, oh yeah, you'll amaze yourself at what's possible. Yes, Amari. Yes, <laughs> love it. So tell us where we can find you online. What's your website as well as any social media handles? Sure, sure. I'm at bebrandconfident.com for the work that we do with branding folks and helping them kind of get their businesses off the ground. I'm also, I am Samara Stone on Instagram and Facebook. And the thing that I'm most enjoying now is the Entrepreneurs Tribe. That's a Facebook group that I have where we're really helping people get the clarity and the confidence that they need to build businesses that resonate with who they are and, and really help them to be creative and creating the kind of connections they need to grow. So I am all about seeing businesses thrive. There's nothing that makes me more happy. Perfect. And of course, we will include all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Samara. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Joy. Have a good one. You too. I'm so thankful Samara was able to share her expertise with us today. To learn more about her and her practice, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 87. And please make sure to share your takeaways from this episode with us in your IG stories or on Twitter. Be sure to use the hashtag TBG in session so that we can find them and share them. Just a heads up that next week's episode will be our last one for this year. But don't worry, we'll be back with a brand new episode on January 9th, 2019. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to visit the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com directory. And don't forget that if you're interested in grabbing a copy of the guided journal for healing after a breakup, visit our store at therapyforblackgirls.com shop. If you want to continue this conversation and chat with other sisters who listen to the podcast, join us over in the Thrive Tribe at therapyforblackgirls.com tribe. Make sure you answer the three questions that are asked to gain entry. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. And I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.